welcome to the Friday, July 12, 2019 edition of On Iowa Politics. This week, dropping out, dropping in, on the trail, and around the house. Hi, I'm James Lynch of the Cedar Rapids Gazette. With me today are Brad Hayworth of the Sioux City Journal. Good morning, Brett. Good morning. And Gazette columnist Todd Dorman. Good morning, Todd. Good morning. You can find us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to On Iowa Politics on iTunes and Stitcher. Iowa Democrats and political reporters have been wondering when the field of 2020 Democratic hopefuls would begin to shrink. We got a shot of hope this week when California Representative Eric Swalwell announced he was dropping out of the race. But then billionaire Tom Steyer, who flew into Iowa earlier this year to announce he wasn't running, said he changed his mind and much to the delight of television advertising sales managers, immediately began running commercials. So we're still sitting at 24, which 24 I think was a TV show where, if I remember correctly, they pretty much eliminated somebody each hour of the day. (laughs) (laughs) So Brett... Eric Swalwell is a Western Iowa native, Sac City, I believe. Um, are they holding vigils mm-hmm. over there? None that I'm aware of, so I'm going to go with a no. Um, yeah, he, he's a California congressman, and, and you're right. He was born in Sac City, and he lived in Algona before that. So, um, you know, in his case, it, it wasn't for lack of trying. Um, he was, I would say, along with John Delaney, he probably was some of the one of the earliest candidates moving through Iowa, and I remember he came two years ago. It was a big annual Labor Day picnic in Sioux City on Labor Day weekend, and he came there in 2017. And there was a lot of who's who's that, who's Eric Swalwell, but you know he obviously came early and and he went to a lot of events over a year and a half, a year and three fourths, I guess it was, and and um, you know it, it just didn't work for him. He, he was right there on the issues that Democrats like, I would say, but it just he couldn't break through with with this. A lot of more notable names in the field, you know, the Elizabeth Warren, Beto, or Kamala Harris, and and uh, I don't know if there's some sort of rule that you can only have one candidate from one state, and <laughs> if that was if that was so, perhaps perhaps I perhaps I once wanted Kamala Harris instead of Eric Swalwell. I, I keep thinking that every time I uh, went to an Eric Swalwell event, he joked about how uh, he would joke that he was out campaigning, so he wasn't home changing diapers uh, on his infant child. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I'm guessing that it's payback time at the Swalwell house. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Mrs. Swalwell is she's probably a, at a spa. She's got like a, a tally on the wall above yeah. the, the, the diaper table, like, changing table. See ya, Eric. Todd, <laughs> uh, this week there were also rumors, shocking rumors, that uh, John Hickenlooper's aides are telling him to end his campaign, perhaps to run for the Senate and that Beto O'Rourke's financial backers are saying they're going to invest their money elsewhere. Um, Should we expect more dropouts, Uh, and is that likely to happen, you know, before the state fair and the soapbox or before the September debates? I I mean, there'll there'll be some. You know, it sounds like John Heckenlooper is going to try to – he's doing a reset, which is never good news, although – I guess John McCain did a reset in 2007, and it worked out a little bit better for him. It was about this time of year then that he looked like he was sort of done. But, uh, but you know, that was a much smaller field, and Hickenlooper hasn't seemed to capture the imagination of Democratic activists by, you know, telling them to reject socialism. <laughs> they seem to be more in the mood for someone that tells them that it's okay to have socialism than to reject it. But, uh, you know, I, yeah, there's going to be some dropouts. I would say... You know, maybe about the time kids start going back to school, maybe some of these candidates will go back home and 
and return to their day jobs and their congressional seats and whatnot. But I, I'm, I'm afraid that we're probably going to be stuck with a pretty large field. I mean, some of these candidates that are not serving in office and aren't sort of making these calculations as to whether they want to keep running for president or, or, or return to run for whatever office they currently hold, I think uh, some of those folks will probably stay into the caucuses and see what happens and, and, and try to try to hope that something shakes up and that they emerge somehow as a, as a factor. In Swalwell's case, I mean, he signaled a month ago or more that, you know, he would have to make a decision about whether he continued his uh, presidential campaign or, or run for re-election. And the f fact that he vocalized that uh, seemed to, su to suggest to me that um, he was already, you know, seeing the handwriting on the wall that otherwise he would have been more forceful in his declaration that he was in this for the long haul. Um, so I, I, I guess I, I, I'm not surprised that he's dropped out or that he's the first one. Anybody want to predict uh, who's next to drop out? Mm. Well, you know, we've got the, I guess, I guess now it's the Hickenlooper Bennett Colorado bracket, mm -hmm. which one of them will drop out first. Yeah. Uh. Right. <laughs> and what about Trump, you know? You think, yeah, you, I mean, he's Mr. Surprise. He may just say <laughs> hell with it, you know? It's, it's, it's a tough job. And he'll appoint an acting president, and then he'll just go play golf. Well, he plays pl plenty of golf now, so yeah. I think. So there's not much <laughs> difference there. <laughs> Meanwhile, on the campaign trail, we have a herd of candidates stampeding down the campaign trail over the past couple of weeks. Fourth of July was a busy time for them and for us. Brett, uh, you've had some of the upper tier, top tier candidates in your neighborhood. Uh, South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg uh, talking about national service. California Senator Kamala Harris talking about wokefulness. Uh, do you get any mm -hmm. sense of how their debate performances are impacting what they're telling Iowans uh, and how Iowans are responding to them? Yeah, and, and those events came, I guess the debates were two weeks ago right now. I think it was Wednesday and Thursday, two weeks ago. And, and when Harris and Buttigieg were here in town, um, that was one week after. And absolutely, the, the debate was on people's minds. I, I talked to people after both events, and, you know, there was – uh, there was a moment at uh, um, at the Harris event where a questioner, so she took Q and A at the end of her after her speech, and a questioner made a comment. Um, she didn't directly reference Biden and and that debate item about the busing that that viral moment. But when when the questioner did that, people kind of chuckled knowingly. She you know didn't say Biden, didn't say the people kind of oh yeah that was a, you know a tangent tangential reference to that. So um, absolutely that that kind of informed. Um, that informed their their events as they came to Sioux City, and you know, for Harris, it was her first time that she had come to Sioux City. She had tried to come um, previously, but had to cancel an event for a vote. And um, you know, people said their desire to see her in per person was heightened by the fact that it was coming after the debates. That there was you know all this hubbub about the you know the buzz from the debate. So um, you know, the people that that are attending these rallies, you know, they're the you know, I would say they're dialed in Democrats who, you know, they're the type that would pay attention, who would know the content of the debates and, you know, the d dynamics of who's up, who's down or who's supposedly trending down, you know, and, and she came on the, on the heels of that. And same thing with Mayor Pete. Um, one, one thing for us is 
for both of those, it was the first time in the city, and people are really pumped to see to see these candidates for the first time. And that, that's been a big trend here in Siouxland. Um, you know, there are some repeat candidates from past years. There's, you know, there, yeah, you know, Warren and Biden and and Bernie Sanders, but a lot of people really want to see these people, these new candidates, these first time candidates firsthand. And um, we're down basically for us here in Siouxland. We're down to only only Biden hasn't come through now, and I'm I'm hoping it won't be too long till he arrives. Mm-hmm. The attention uh, shifts to Cedar Rapids this weekend with 12 candidates coming to the Progress Iowa Cornfeed Sunday. Todd, I assume you have a spot staked out there at Nubo, perhaps in the bar, to listen to these 12. Yeah, candidates. well, that that might not be a bad spot, although you, you wouldn't want to have one beer per candidate. That would be a mistake. Uh, I'm wondering, where, first I'm wondering where the corn's going to come from because there is some Iowa sweet corn out there, I've heard, but I don't know if it came in time. Is it, Or is this going to be... Florida or Missouri corn. Progress Iowa said that the food vendors all will have corn-themed food. So there's no actual corn. Yes, yeah, there will be corn corn on the cob. There will be corn on the cob uh, and some other corn dishes. They cannot guarantee where the vendors are getting the corn. Uh, So it might be from Iowa. It might not be from Iowa. But uh, you know, it you know corn. Yeah. Well. one one year, what was it? Yeah, it was George W. Bush in '99. He had like a corn feed in June, and the corn had to come from I think Georgia or somewhere. Yeah. So he got caught some flack for that. But that's not important. It's the issues and the candidates, right? right? Not the it's not the, the corn. What am I even spirit. talking about? It's, it's, the spirit, it's terrible. You know, when, when, uh, we, when we get together to dine on corn, we're all one. You know? Yeah, exactly. We're we all have stuff on our chins <laughs> and between our teeth. Exactly. Um, but you know, it's it. I guess booted booted edge would would be the one candidate in this twelve member cornfield dele, corn feed delegation that would sort of count as that upper top five or so in the polls. Uh, a lot of other folks, John Hinkenlooper, as we mentioned earlier, trying to sort of get through. Um, but it, you know, it's it's as with all these cattle calls, it, it's always interesting to sort of watch for uh, those moments where someone breaks out or or for the right reason or the wrong reason. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I would, I'd anticipate a nice crowd. Is, I, I don't know the logistics of it. Is it going to be outdoors or indoors? Weather permitting, it'll be outdoors. It's going to be a hot day. It's going to be a very hot day. There's not a lot of shade at Nubo. Um, I mean, there are a few trees, but uh, bring your sunscreen, bring your uh, hats, uh, <laughs> lots of who's, water. Who's candidate, whose candidacy will melt under the intense glare and, oh, that's right. uh, and humidity? You'll feel the heat. <laughs> and who will make humidity jokes and who will, you know, that, yeah, that's, that'll be good. To... Uh, well, I'll be there to, to hear those humidity jokes. So. Um, around the house, Todd, um, Bobby Schilling finally pulled the trigger and announced that he's running in Iowa's second district. Uh, he has some experience. He represented a Western Illinois district before losing to Sherry Bustos, who now chairs the DCCC. So I expect that perhaps she has a personal stake in making sure Schilling doesn't flip the second district from blue to red. Um, aside from his carpet bag, what does Schilling bring to the race? Well, as you mentioned, he's got experience. He served in Congress and has run for Congress. Uh, his fun- fundraising base, when he was in Congress and a candidate, he was the Quad Cities. So that's still sort of in play in the second district. Uh, unfortunately, his experience also involves losing twice to a strong female candidate. And and if the, the, the Democratic primary works out the way it, it looks like it will, he'll face Rita Hart. 
and she's by all accounts a strong candidate so he's got his work cut out for him and as you mentioned the carpetbagger he brings sort of this former Illinois congressman label which I don't know buys him much endearment among Iowa voters we're used to being told that Illinois is the the state of ill repute so to speak so uh, and we hear former Illinois congressman in a lot of sentences that include the, the term grand jury mm -hmm. so that's that's going to be something he has to overcome. He's going he's to have to sort of sh show that he understands sort of the issues on the Iowa side of the border and, you know, make the case that he can uh, represent a constituency, though, though that is close to what he represented before is, is different and has some different issues. And, and his ability to do that will be sort of a key test. But, I mean, at this point, I think you'd have to say that all things remaining constant, that the Democrats would be favored to, to hold that seat unless Bobby Schilling is is a, is a breakout star. I, I His comeback is, you know, yeah. more exciting than meets the eye. I'm sure he's studying the map of the 2nd District, uh, learning all the 24-county names and cities. Uh, yeah. So, you know, when somebody shouts out, uh, you know, what cheer or... Uh, is that in the second district? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. he's he's got to be careful that he doesn't accidentally, you know, when he's in Burlington, think he's in Peoria or something. Yeah, it's great here on the eastern side of the river. Oh no, yeah. <laughs> uh, Brett over in Western Iowa. What's the the congressional news over there? Uh, have any of those uh, Republicans challenging Steve King uh, reported their fundraising numbers, or are we we're still waiting on all that? Right. Yeah. And of course, the, the big the big deadline, the filing deadline for the next for the uh, second quarter, of the last three months through June, the end of June, that comes Monday evening as the filing deadline for that. So um, we'll be hearing those reports will be coming out in the next probably the next few hours or next, you know, within, you know, next three days. And um, they, you know, we always use, as we said so many times on this podcast, we always use the financial reports as a way to determine to judge strengths for how candidates are doing and and you know we don't have polling numbers over here um typically in any iowa fourth congressional district race so campaign uh, financing is, is something that we we seize on with to 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 see half of, of the candidates and just to kind of repeat where where, we, where we're coming from um, we have Steve King running for re-election, uh, Randy Feenster is a state senator, um, Jeremy Taylor is a Woodbury County supervisor, former legislator from Sioux City, and we have Brett Richards from Irwin, Iowa. And in the first quarter, um, Feenster came out of the gates very strongly and had uh, 260000 which is four times the amount of Steve King and more than Taylor and more than Richards. So in some ways, or, well, not in some ways, for certainly for in fundraising, um, Feenster has been the the, the leader thus far, and and we'll see if that continues. You know, if, if Steve King was saw that hey, I need to step up my game, and I need to counter that, and and you know, push back and prove that that I'm I'm a strong incumbent. You know, we'll see all those things. I guess by Monday night, Tuesday morning. Okay, and, and I guess uh, on the Democratic side, people are waiting for JD Scholten to jump into this race. Is any other Democrat right looking at it? Right. I, I, I've heard no other names. I've heard, you know, some, you know, there's been, there was a primary last time with uh, a woman from Spencer and, you know, some smaller towns that people that didn't have the name recognition, of course, he had no name recognition two years ago at this point, but 
but uh, uh, but this you know I've heard of no other in you know in the smaller counties out in the, the other regions of um, anyone coming forth at this point. Mm -hmm. Okay, well that's it for this edition of On Our Politics. I hope it's been worth your time. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, tell a friend and subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher. Fan mail may be sent to oniowapolitics at gmail.com. And you can find us every week on the home pages of the Quad City Times, Sioux City Journal, Muscatine Journal, Mason City Globe Gazette, Waterloo, Cedar Falls Courier, and the Cedar Rapids Gazette. And before we go, a shout-out to Thomas Nelson, our colleague who became a father this week. Congratulations to the Nelson family. And with that, Johnny on Point will take us out. If you know a band or talented Iowa musician who should be on our show, send us a sound file and remember to follow us on Twitter and subscribe to On Iowa Politics on iTunes and Stitcher. For Brett, Todd, and our producer, Stephen, I'm James Lynch. Thanks for listening.